Hello and welcome to Product Vice Podcast. This is your host, Alexandra Morshikova, and my special guest today is Sarah Stone. Sarah is a global product manager with over 20 years of experience in fintech, and she's currently head of product in FinSample. Sarah began her career as a help desk manager at a fintech startup and has held numerous roles over the years in both engineering and product management. Sarah holds a BA in mathematics from Boston College and a master's in applied math and statistics from Stony Brook University. She's also on the leadership council for a nonprofit and was a co-chair for five years. Sarah, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for hosting me. Awesome. Always a pleasure. Um, so uh, aware that at the moment you're leading um, the product with FinSample and um, not everybody might be uh, familiar with FinSample. Could you help us understand what the product is, how is it constructed, and what is your role focused on? Sure, yes, definitely. So Finsamble uh, is software. We provide application integration software, um, and it really allows the users to create customized automation-assisted workflows across any of their applications that sit on your desktop. So if you imagine your day daily uh, your daily work day, and you have maybe 20 or so different applications uh, sitting on your desktop, and none of them really communicate with each other. So you can't uh, pass a bit of information from one application into the other. Um, what Finsamble does is allow you to connect those applications uh, visually and also logically so that you can share data. Oh, nice. Thank you so much for that summary. Um, aware as well that, you know, your, your journey um, hadn't started with a product. You've started with, with engineering. Um, which is quite an exciting journey to progress from. Um, could you elaborate on how did you start with engineering to begin with? And then what was, how did you transition into product as a profession? Sure, yeah. So I had a, I, I love my journey and I actually love talking about it. Uh, it starts right out of college. I joined a fintech uh, company um, my, my right out of college. So I had been a math major in college. I was, uh, and I took some engineering classes uh, and I joined a fintech, what was a startup company in 1999. Um, and I joined as a help desk support. So I was basically the help desk support. Uh, and I really loved talking to the clients and I really loved hearing, you know, their problems and their issues and, you know, what are the things they'd like to do with the product. And as I was doing help desk support, I got kind of really interested in trying to solve the problems myself. So I would look into the code. I learned how to, I had taken some uh, software uh, engineering coursework in college, but I went to a very liberal arts college. So um, it, it wasn't very in depth, but, you know, as I was, uh, as I was uh, looking into and, uh, solving uh, client problems, I would really enjoy reading the code and trying to figure out myself, you know, what was the issue here. Um, so I started doing that kind of debugging um, aspect of it and found I really loved that. Uh, and so I took a brief hiatus. I left, uh, I left the industry to go get my master's uh, in applied math and statistics. And then um, I met up with the CEO of the company uh, around Christmas time, right when I was kind of finishing up the master's, getting ready to go into the PhD program. And he said, we've got so much growth. We really need software engineers. Would you come back and be a software engineer? And I said, me? Um, I was just debugging and fixing code. You know, are you sure that that's something that um, I would be really good at? And he said, no, absolutely. You're going to be great at it. I know you are. Uh, and so I, I joined as an engineer and it was interesting. I was the only woman uh, back in engineer. 
when I joined that company, I was the only woman at the company. It was a company of five, so uh, it wasn't that big of a deal, but I was the only woman um, on my team as a back-end engineer. We had a woman who was a front-end engineer, and she was great, um, but it was just it was just really exciting and interesting to feel like I could do this because it was not something I really envisioned as a career path for me to be an engineer. I, I, I thought I was going to go off and be a math professor. I was getting my PhD. Um, that's kind of where I thought my career was going to take me. Um, and it was great. And I really, I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed the program and I was very, very good at it. Uh, for, for, for what it's worth, I was really, I was really good at it. Um, and then uh, a few years later, uh, I would say it was uh, maybe five or so years later, they were uh, selling that company to a larger organization. Um, so when I was a software engineer, we didn't have product management. Product management was, this was in 2006, 2007. The company didn't have any product management. And so uh, I was, as the engineer and as someone who's client facing, uh, talking directly to clients, asking them what are their issues, what are the things they'd like me to build, what are their feature requests, doing kind of the work of a product manager, but then going off and coding it myself which is super efficient, <laughs> was like a great way to do it, um, but also not scalable or sustainable. Um, now we're going into a larger organization and the engineers were not client facing. It was, they had a product team, they had solutions engineers, solutions architects, business analysts, product managers who were doing that type of a function. Uh, and so, uh, you know, my CEO again, who's a great friend and mentor, um, he, he, he approached me and he said, I think that you would really, really enjoy going into product management. I think that that's really, you know, where you're going to find the most um, joy in your job and, and, and where you're really going to do, do best. Or, you know, you could stay in engineering, but you're going to lose that aspect of being able to directly interface with clients. And as it turns out, he was right. Uh, so I transitioned into product management and I started as solutions architect. Uh, working directly with some of our largest clients and then kind of transitioned from there into product manager and now have been uh, taking a path uh, into the senior role. Um, but it's been a great, it's been a great trajectory. I, I always do say too, uh, I think that some of the best product managers come from a technical background because you can really understand um, what it takes to implement something someone's asking for to know if it's just, we can't do that or just kind of rethink or reframe what they're asking for to something that would work in your product. Yeah, I definitely find that in more of a creative profession of software engineering, um, you tend to learn the new language and that new language gives you very good structure. Um, and that also helps your thinking pattern, right? To be in more of a structural dependency format rather than, you know, sporadically following in on every single request that you may be getting from, from your customers, from your users and just worrying about everything. So it's the acceptance of the limitations of the systems, right? As they always will have, plus the, the logic that follows with that. That's, um, I think that's really, really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you, you, you've taught yourself uh, C++ from what I remember, isn't that right? Yeah, I say, yeah, I say I taught myself. I had no formal training. So I did take a very basic C class, I think in college, we didn't have, uh, any compiling programs really. So it was writing out, uh, writing out the code by hand and submitting that into our professor. This was 1999. So it was, it was very, 
um, lo-fi, I guess, at the time. Uh, So I didn't have any experience with that. I had a lot of support from the company I worked for and a lot of the engineers there. I have to say they were very, very great. And and they were always willing to answer questions. And they knew I was coming from not a background of having been a programmer, that it was kind of something new for me. Um, So I did get help with that. But yeah, it was a lot of, you know, searching online, very limited online searches in those days, but just kind of searching online. How do I do this? What do I do? Uh, Reading, you know, I think I might still have a book back in my bookcase about about uh, <laughs> programming in C++. Um, but yeah. It's not the easiest language indeed as well to, to top that up. Um, but um, th- that that really uh, lovely transitions into my next question um, around learning. I know that um, this is ingrained in your DNA almost to just keep on learning. Um, what is your advice on, on how best to do that, to keep on learning, to keep on, um, you know, absorbing new skills uh, or elevating yourself to a new skill set level in already existing things that you can do. Um, what is your take on this? Yeah, I think it's super important. I always make sure if I'm in a conversation and I don't understand what someone is talking about, if there's a new terminology, a new technology, a new phrase that they're looking at, I write it off to the side and then I go try to research and figure out what it is. Because I don't expect myself to just kind of know everything, you know, that everybody's talking about in every conversation. Um, But just making sure that if you do hear something that you're not familiar with, you are going and researching it. I also lean on my engineer sometimes. I have a very close relationship with our principal engineers. I'm very blessed here to have the group of uh, engineers that I work with. Uh, They are very knowledgeable um, and they stay on top of a lot of trends and a lot of technologies. And they're always willing to have the conversations with me. I'm not trying to, you know, use too much of their time telling me in-depth, you know, um, explanations of things, but hey, what is this? What did it used to be? You know, because a lot of times these technologies evolve from the way we used to do it to the way it's done now. Uh, So I would say, okay, so this new technology, so what is it replacing? Like, what what was the way that I used to do it when I was a programmer? Um, And, and, you know, kind of just really making sure that you're always, um, always researching and, and not letting a term just because you don't know what something is, don't assume that you just will never know what it is, you know, make sure that you go make the effort to figure it out. Um, How do you personally acquire new skills? Um, What is your, you know, method to the madness of just um, continuously learning? And I'm sure you're also passing that type of an approach to everyone that, you know, within your team and everyone that you're working with. I have to do it myself. So the way I learn is by doing. So I can't, it's hard to read something and then I absorb it and I cannot listen to something and then I know it. So I have to do it. Um, Like with our, our products here, I'm, you know, the product manager, it's a software development kit. I download it. I play around with it. I test it out. I try it. I see how it works. Um, And, you know, even though I'm not an engineer anymore, I'm still doing that. Um, So, yeah, very important for me to actually physically try to do something in order for me to understand it. I have to, you know, physically play around with it or use it in some capacity. That's Um, it. (laughs) No secret. No special secret. It's a good way to learn. Um, I'm I'm similar to you in that sense. Um, I I like to play around with uh, kind of new installations and generally whatever there is a new tool coming out on the market just you know registering trying it out seeing what works what doesn't what's the potential value that you can you know acquire from that um and seeing how you can go from there um but yeah it's it's um there are definitely different ways of um of learning here and um curious to learn that ours is similar 
Yeah. Yeah. It was actually funny. I was just talking to my CEO who was saying, surely you've read our documentation front to back. And I was like, I cannot. It's like, I will dig in to the actual code itself to try to figure out what it's doing before I read the documentation. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, Sometimes those, um, the, the technical docs, right. They're like hundreds and hundreds of pages, depending on the complexity you can't possibly it's like the worn piece in, uh, you know, in the, <laughs> um, you have to have like a semester to, to read it. Um, cool. Aware that also um, one of your focus areas and one of the things that you enjoy doing is mentoring younger uh, females entering the technology field since you've been the only female in the field when you started. Um, could you elaborate a little bit on that? How do you do this? What initiatives are you involved in? Um, and what kind of strength points do you find in mentorship? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I I do I do really enjoy mentoring younger women, um, particularly at the beginning of the career, but really any 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 at any point of their career, I'm always happy to mentor uh, younger women. Uh, I'm I'm very open and honest about my experience, good or bad, and what I've learned and the things that have, have uh, happened to me. I sometimes feel like. I sometimes feel like as women, you think I'm the only one kind of going through this. Uh, and that's just kind of not the case, right? A lot of times we have similar and shared experience. So I think it's really kind of important for, you know, women to hear the perspective of women who, I don't want to say have come before them, but have been in simple, similar situations. Um, I've been involved in a lot of internship programs. So I have, uh, you know, always when I have the opportunity to have an intern on my team, I will always take up that opportunity, and I do uh, tend to not 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 by any uh, and not for any particular reason, but I do tend to, to tend to have a lot of younger female interns. I think they they choose me more so than I choose them. I don't I don't want to give the impression that I only intern women, but um, you know I've had I've had interns in the past, at, you know, at at, a, at my previous firm. Who were working, you know, for someone else in the organization, and I said, "Oh no, I want next year. Can can you be my intern mentor? Um, because I'm very approachable uh, in terms of an intern manager." What I think is super important, and one of the things that I I, I feel like is critical when you're uh, when you're mentoring or manager managing an intern is that you're making sure that they're getting as much out of the experience as you're getting out of the experience. So I I I, I want to make sure that uh, I'm not just you know using someone. Uh, as a, a job function where here's, you're going to make my life easier because I'm going to give you these, you know, five or 10 tasks. I want to make sure they're gaining something. They're learning things that are interesting to them. They're getting knowledge from me. Um, they're getting my past experience. Um, so that's been really important to me. Um, and then, you know, in terms of other programs, I've worked very closely uh, with a program in New York City called Crystal Ray, which is high school interns. And they're, and it's great. They come in one, one day a week uh, to an office setting, although I, not an, I don't have an office now, so I'm not participating in it, but um, they'd come in one day a week to an office setting and you'd mentor them and you'd have them do, uh, you know, some, you know, learn some tasks and do some of the, some of the work and contribute to some of the work. Um, and it was a great, it was a great program to be a part of. And I really enjoyed being a part of that. Um, we've also done, I've also participated in programs in the past with um, young high school girls learn, uh, learning how to code. So uh, teaching them, um, we'd have week long programs where they would be kind of a code camp. And at the end of it, they would have built a tic-tac-toe. I mean, I would go and I would help, uh, I would run sessions on what product management is, what we do, you know, a lot of, a lot of 
a lot of uh, I'm finding a lot of young women, and this is exciting. But a lot of young women are really interested in the in product management and what we do, and uh, learning more about it. And it's really exciting for me because I it, it didn't feel like it existed as a thing when I started. Um, but now, say 25 years later, um, there's you know a lot of a lot of young women interested in product management. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, it's um, it's fantastic that product management as a profession welcomes all of the. Um, you know, all of the backgrounds, right, um, in terms of the academic achievements or whatever you might have studied, even design, um, you can always switch to that um, and just acquire that understanding of the of the end user. Um, yeah. Certainly for, for, for some technical products, um, that technical background is, is quite helpful. Yeah, and I also, because a lot of women I work with that are in engineering know that I transitioned from engineering into product management. A lot of women will come and ask me for, you know, what was that transition like? What do you feel like are the benefits of it? What are the downsides? Because there is, you know, there is, it's a different role, right? And it's not necessarily. Yeah, great, we're the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, really just, you know, explaining what I do every day and how I do it and how I transitioned and giving advice on that. Um, and I think that's exciting too. Where do you feel um, females that you've mentored or that you've worked with um, in, you know, within product engineering usually struggle? Um, what are their three top three challenges, for example? Um, so I so where I've seen where I've personally struggled and I've seen um, some struggle as well is in kind of the confidence. Um, and that still, I think, tends to be an issue. It was, I think it was a little bit more so um, when I was coming up uh, in the industry. Uh, but just kind of that feeling of, um, am I good enough to do this? Uh, I don't know if it's because I tend to be a perfectionist. So if I'm not perfect, I'm not good enough. But I've seen that. Um, but also I've had you know comments in my past when I was an engineer from male colleagues that said things like women shouldn't be engineers, women should, I mean, horrible comments that they should have never made and it shouldn't have affected me. And now they wouldn't. But, you know, hearing things like that, um, and there's still a little bit of that, I think, in the industry too. Um, and I've, I've had women, uh, women engineers who particularly were interested in getting into product management, you know, have, I've had conversations with them where they felt like they were looked at as less of an engineer because they were female and they were in kind of these masochistic type uh, engineering teams. And it's, it, it, you know, I don't want to say product management is more, you know, more woman centric discipline in the organization that I was in. Our chief product officer was a woman. I was a woman. There were certainly men on the team, but it felt a little bit more friendlier than some of the engineering teams. So um, I guess that's probably the second thing, you know, the confidence. But the second thing they struggled with was really kind of just, you know, uh, bad behavior on some of the male counterparts that drive them into product management because it's less prevalent in product management. Um, and a third, uh, I think it's just kind of um, understanding, you know, what the, what the job entails, right? The, the, the presentation bit of it is something that's a hurdle. I think for, if you're coming from an engineering background, it's a very solitary uh, discipline, right? You're sitting at your computer, you're working, you're not in meetings all day. You're not talking to people all day. Uh, unless you actually love talking to people all day, which I love talking to people all day, um, it can be a very different, uh, a very different uh, mindset to get into. And I say I do love talking to people all day, 
But that being said, sometimes I need to just have a day where I'm not on. And so I think from an, exactly, I don't want any meetings. I don't want to talk to anybody. Um, but for women, particularly coming from engineering, to get the comfortability being knowing that you're talking to people, you're on, you're, you're always presenting, right? You're maybe not presenting, you know, formally presenting, but you're always presenting to clients, our vision, our strategy, you know, making sure that you're um, putting your best foot forward in every conversation that you have. Um, and so that can be, I think, a little bit of a hurdle sometimes too, for folks transitioning. Definitely. And it's uh, sad to hear that you've had the, the poor experience at the start of your career. It's uh... I mean, reflecting on some of the things that I've gone through um, relatively recently, um, it, I mean, I resonate. So it's definitely not going, unfortunately, going away. Unfortunately, it still persists and it takes a lot of strength and sometimes, you know, switching roles more often um, and taking hit from that, right, mm -hmm. taking that um bit of a step back was stagnating on on one position for a little longer that behavior from the counterparts uh, male or female uh, or otherwise does not necessarily help yeah. so based on you know what you've gone through and you know how you've emerged from this um and i know that this episode will be listened as well by the ics in engineering and product mm -hmm who might be experiencing that toxic behavior from either within their peers or within their management. Um, what would you say to, to someone who is in that situation? What would your advice be? No, that's great. Um, one, don't let it affect you at all. You know, what they say is what they say. It's not any reflection on how competent you are, how good you are at your job or any of your value at all. Uh, it's a toxic, opinion it's a toxic environment just don't let anything that anybody says about you really get to you and affect you um and then you know secondly is i've you know kind of just had to learn over the course of years to use my voice you know to to say no i'm not gonna you know this is not right you're not gonna say that you know as i was when i was younger uh so let's see um Earlier on in my career, it was blatant. It was set in open rooms. Women shouldn't be engineering. Now people don't. I don't know. I, I haven't seen people say it out loud, but you can tell um, by the way that you're, you know, kind of treated and, you know, in certain situations um, that it's something happening there. Uh, when it was said out loud in the room, um, I think I had a manager at the time pull that person aside and say, you know, you can't do that, which is great. And I was lucky at the time that I worked for a really, really great company. Um, that was uh, that was very supportive of me. What was always interesting about that is it did it did it did I did let it affect me a little bit. I did let it say, oh, so maybe they're saying that because I'm not as good, and maybe they're you know not. I would never say that women aren't as powerful as engineers as men are, but you know, somebody says that to you and you say, oh, well, maybe I am not as good, so I'm just validating that theory. Um, not the case at all. What I wound up finding out years and years later, I, I had I had I'd never really told my CEO at the time that that was said to me. And years later, because I'm very close to he's he's one of my mentors and, and very good friends. I I, I have, we're having a conversation, and I said to him that this you know that this specific person said said that about me. And he he was like, and this was the CEO, the chief technical officer as well. He looked at he said, Are "You crazy? You coded circles around that guy. Like that guy was horrible. <laughs> he was a horrible engineer." Um, so I guess I say that to say, don't believe it. Uh, it's usually insecurities, uh, from their selves that's making them say that. Um, and, 
yeah, if you if you feel like you can speak out and if you feel like there's somebody that you trust that you can kind of talk to about it and talk through talk through it with, um, I would advise that as well. You know, because the friend that I had that came to me, you know, we were looking at then how do we maybe move her into a different role? You know, because you'll have ad advocates for you elsewhere in the organization. Like if you're a particular manager, in this case, it was a particular manager who was, uh, you know, especially toxic. Um, and she had come to me and we said, well, let's talk about, you know, transitioning you then into the product department because, uh, you know, we, you wouldn't face that. And it was something she was interested in. Um, yeah. So yeah, to add to that, probably it's whatever, whatever faced with toxic people in the work environment or outside, it's never quite the reflection on, on yourself, mm -hmm. right? It's a reflection on who they are and what, what's, what's happening internally in, in their life. Um, and different people might be going through different things. Um, mm -hmm. They might have had, you know, difficult childhood and um, it doesn't necessarily, you know, cover any of the actions. I'm not trying to find explanations, yeah. but um, a compassion to the person why they're doing this um, could be a key to understanding that this is not about you at all. What they're mm -hmm. saying is, um, is, is just how they are and how their life had been. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely I would, I would vote in 100% on the fact that by all means, just don't let it touch you. Although it's so difficult to unhear. Um, and sometimes you might hear that again, um, throughout your career, no matter what you, where you work, what your position is, mm -hmm. um, and kind of bouncing all of those words is, is the only way to go. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've actually, because I've faced it, I, when I'm thinking about joining a new company, I will very, very, I'm very aware of the mentality of the engineering team. I think, you know, as a product manager, the relationship that you have with your partner in engineering is one of the most important, if not the most, one of the most important relationships that you're going to have professionally. You have to be on the same page. It has to be mutual trust and respect there. Um, so if I'm interviewing somewhere and I feel like the engineering team doesn't respect product as a discipline itself, or, you know, you kind of get a sense that they're dismissive towards women in um, in the profession, uh, it would be a company I just wouldn't go work for, quite frankly. At this point in my career, that's a big key decision point. Yeah, I uh, to my candidates, I always suggest to, to build kind of a question list um, of the things that will help you do your own due diligence as you're going through the profile. I work with a methodology called the scorecard and why not apply that to, you know, to your perfect role or to your, you know, perfect next step or to the role that you want to be in, in five, 10, 15 years, right? Why not do that and have that little perspective and sort of make sure that you're setting yourself with every single step that you're taking, that you're setting yourself up for the success in that little yeah. next step um, that will help you then unlock all of the different levels of the other steps. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, I know that we talked about some bad things. Let's just focus <laughs> on some of the great things that you saw females do, some of the success cases, maybe stories that you are able to share that will help us elevate um, elevate the, the presence a little bit more. Sure, absolutely. I'm going to I'm going to brag on my old chief product officer at my last job. I mean, she was amazing rock star. She joined uh, she joined way, you know, way before I am, but I do know her history. She joined, I think, as maybe a business analyst um, at the company and just blew everybody. I mean, she's brilliant and her uh, she's 
has this wonderful speaking presence. She's brilliant um, and just very hard. One of the most hardworking people I think I've ever seen. Um, but she joined. Um, she was I think she joined as a business. She was a business analyst prior to that. I think she joined as a business analyst and just blew everybody away and 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 really just progressed herself over maybe eight or so years, seven or eight years until she was promoted to chief product officer of a very large, um, not very large, but of a, a medium size um, institutional broker, uh, which was, you know, pretty impressive. And and she was relatively young too. She's a little bit younger than myself, <laughs> but um, she was relatively young. So I, I was very proud of her. And and she did face, uh, you know, and, and we're friends uh, still. Um, and, and we have conversations and she did, she did face some of the same you know, negative, uh, negative things that I faced in my career as well. And, and almost probably, um, really, uh, more so because of the position she was in, but she was so diplomatic and she was very well at just, she did very well at just kind of handling, um, handling conflict, uh, and, and, you know, making sure she was doing her job and she was doing her job so well that people couldn't really say anything about her. Super. What else did you did you see from your mentees or interns? How their progress was was like? Um, what did you see? Maybe them being extremely good at or gaining a new skill um, that really was quite significant to their further success? Because I'm sure you're tracking where where they're going. Um, no. Time. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So I had an I had another intern. Uh, sorry. I had it touching my face. I had another. Turn um, that uh, worked for me one summer. I think she might have no. She, I, I, she started with me because we've had we've had a, the company I used to work for. We had a pretty really we had a really great intern program, and um, some of them would come back year after year. So if they started as a junior, they'd come back as a senior as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this particular uh, woman started with me her senior year, and she was she was so amazing, um, and she was such a sponge to absorb and learn everything that at the end of the summer, you know, the goal of the program is that we hire 50% of the interns for full-time roles. At the end of the summer, she had multiple departments kind of vying for her. Yeah. So they want to hire her because they saw, you know, as the product manager, I was managing multiple different um, areas. So I was managing uh, front office tools and I was managing support tools and I was managing compliance tools. Um, and as part of her work with me, because she was my, she was my intern, but you know, I would want to expose her to as much as possible. She learned all of those different areas. So not only did I want to hire her, you know, which I ultimately did, <laughs> but not only did I want to hire her um, as a technical product manager, um, but the support team wanted to hire her as well because they thought she was just such an amazing rock star. The compliance team wanted to hire her. Um, so it was it was really exciting to see that. Ultimately, I won. <laughs> she was uh, well, lucky you, lucky you. Multiple, multiple options. And I was really proud to see that. Sarah, I know that um, you shared that one of the things that you're um, that you're proud of is is being recognized for the charitable contributions um, by winning the Global Champion Award three years in a row. Um, could you expand on that a little bit? It's it's a good achievement, and um, I sense that's also important for you and for your, you know, giving back to the community. Yeah. So the so the Global Champion was something that my the, the firm I was previously previously at. Um, did every year, and basically they would um, ask. They wouldn't. They would encourage us. Encourage is the right word. They would encourage us to do charitable work, and they gave us many, many opportunities to help out our communities, um, either by 
hosting um, days, uh, you know, to go help paint a school or to go do a public garden or do a river cleanup. So there was physical opportunities um, to do charitable to do to, to, to do charity work. Um, but then they also had the program such as the Crystal Ray program I had spoken about before, which was a mentor, men, a mentorship program for um, students in those schools. Um, and and they would, um, you know, <laughs> this is a little bit, uh, sometimes people kind of balk at it when I say it, but they would kind of track, we would track, you know, how much everybody had done. It was, it was a point system, which I don't know. I don't know. I've heard, I've had I've had people kind of say a point system on doing good. You should just be doing it to do it. And the intention of the point system was absolutely not to say like you're better than anybody else, um, but it was to recognize um, the folks that were really doing a lot in the community and really giving back a lot. Uh, and so yeah, at the at the end of every um, year, they would see you know based on this point system who had uh, done the most uh, most um, uh, work, and then you would get this, uh, you would get a global champion award, which was only important in that it gave you a thousand dollar grant to deploy to a nonprofit of your choice. So this was my motivation kind of behind it was not just to do the work because I really enjoyed doing the work in the community. I really enjoyed doing the charity days, um, but then to be able to deploy that money uh, to a nonprofit, the family center that I'm very close with and that I've been, uh, I was co-chair of their leadership council for, for many, many years. Um, so to be able to kind of give back to them um, was really a lot of the motivation as well. Brilliant. Um, aware that thousand dollars may not be, you know, a lot for for so many individuals, but in charitable cases, it goes yeah. such a long way. Um, and I'm I'm not supporting kids um, at the moment um, with with their career progression, but I'm a big fan of of rescuing animals and. The amount of of animals abandoned and the the actual funds required to care for them is is so little that it's almost impossible for me at least to comprehend how we you know how we don't collect that even yeah. that. Um, so that's that's a brilliant achievement. Congratulations! I'm sure all of the charities are super thankful, and you retain that um, connection to them as well. Yeah, and I would say the thing that really was. Uh, most impactful for me about that was that because I had that grant that I was awarded and I chose the Family Center, which was an organization I had volunteered at, but I hadn't been um, affiliated with directly the first year, at least the first year I hadn't been part of their leadership council, but I had volunteered for them. So, you know, when I reached out to say, I want to, I want to give you guys this grant, then they said to me, do you want to join our leadership council? And so it really opened up this opportunity for me where I got very involved and very invested in this uh, organization, which is just such an amazing organization. And I know the families that they serve and I know the work that they do. And it's so amazing. And we actually have our gala, gala next week, although by the time this is live, it won't be next week. But um, it's, it, it really opened up this opportunity for me to get involved deeply in this organization that without that title of global champion and that award to deploy, I wouldn't have, I may not have had. Brilliant. And perhaps the last question for you, um, if you were to kind of go back to your start, to the start of your career journey, what would be the advice that you would give to yourself? What you wish you would have known? Oh, just believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself. You're, you're great. You know, I just, just, 
I was, you know, I, I think I started my career confident and like it, it slowly erodes over time. And then it, it's kind of, it's weird how it, you know, you start kind of high out of college where I, I could do anything. And then over time, it kind of slowly erodes, but now I'm kind of back on the up trajectory. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think could have, could have done for some of those lower years to just have more confidence in myself and belief in myself. Yeah. Um, do you feel that this is something that a lot of, a lot of um, females struggle with? just building up that confidence initially. Yes. Yeah. I, I wish not, but yeah, I, I, I hear it. I hear it from a lot of women and not all. I, I trust my best friend is probably one of the most confident women in the industry that I know. And I love her for it and I envy her for it. But yeah, and I think because I have struggled with that in the past, I think some of uh, younger women are feel comfortable opening up to me about that and talking to me about that and, you know, kind of how I how I pump myself up to get past it. Yeah, it's especially difficult in the start of the career when you're just laying the the first pillars of of your of your future work. So mm. brilliant! Thank you, Sarah, so much for for joining me today. Really enjoyed um, speaking with you, um, and really looking forward to welcoming you potentially again um, in in the podcast. Thank you so much.